Welcome to Thrive Deeper, the show based on the Thrive Bible Reading Guides. This is an ongoing conversation about God's Word with Thrive author, Dr. Matthew Jacoby. Well, Matt, back in the studio again, and we are coming back to the minor prophets, as mm. you said uh, last time, not minor because they're, you know, they're, not important, less they're important very, yeah, but just right. that they are the shorter prophetic yeah. uh, words. And uh, today we are going to be working through the book of Hosea. Yeah, man, it's, a, um, it's an interesting one, this it, is, isn't it? It, it sure is. So uh, uh, this is uh, Thrive Deeper, episode 158, uh, mostly written in the form of Hebrew poetry. Mm. Uh, and uh, the the name Hosea actually means uh, salvation in Hebrew, which is interesting as yeah. we read through the story. Yeah. Uh, uh, that we'll hear from Hosea today. Yeah. Now, he was a contemporary of Isaiah and Micah, who we're also going to come to later yeah. in the deeper uh, yeah. podcast soon in, in our edition of Thrive. Uh, and and these guys were uh, also at the same time of the rule of the northern kingdom mm. ruler of Jeroboam the yeah. second, who was probably one of the one of the worst uh, of yep. the Israel um, uh, kings. Uh, and lots of uh, well, from a worldly point of view, the nation was going amazingly well. You know, prosperity. Um, you know, Jeroboam were, uh, had quite a uh, quite a long rule, so yes. he, you know that that was conducive to prosperity. Yeah, but there, you know, Hosea is um, his ministry really takes place probably in the last year of Jeroboam the second. So it's Jeroboam the second. Yes, correct. Um, after that, things really go yeah. awry, and and in a sense, he's he's anticipating that as, mm. as a prophet. He's mm. a, a prophet that's going to essentially is predicting what is going to be the complete destruction, destruction. Yeah. of this northern of the northern kingdom of Israel. Yeah. So they're about uh, they're about thirty years away from complete disaster. Yes. Um, you know, and in fact, in that thirty years, they're going to have six kings after Jeroboam. They're going to be six kings in a period of thirty years, all assassinated. Uh, you know, well, there's a lot of assassinations yeah. uh, in there. Man, it is carnage mm, in mm. that thirty years. Uh, also, you've got Assyria who are expanding. Uh, it's about uh, during Hosea's time. Uh, about six different incursions of Assyria, and including yeah. the one that is going to destroy uh, the the northern kingdom of Israel. Um, that's the same. The, the the around the time when Samaria is destroyed, Samaria yeah. is the capital of the northern kingdom yeah. uh, of Israel. Uh, that's the the story about Hose- about sorry Hezekiah and, yes. and the Assyrians at the walls of Hezekiah. Very famous story that happens sort of around the same time. Now, uh, Judah is going to survive those in, those incursions yes. uh, of, of, of the Assyrians, but of course Israel, the Northern Kingdom of Israel, is you know they're, they're going to be wiped out. Mm. Hosea is anticipating this and in a sense announcing um, not only. That this is going to happen, not only why this is going to happen, but also casting hope beyond that. Yes, yes. as well, that this is even that this disaster is not the end of of, of the, the story. Yeah. It's not the end of the story. Yeah. And um, of course, through all of this military build up, you know, uh, Israel is trying to find its protection, and we'll get to this around military alliances. Oh, yeah, yeah. Really, yeah, they're scrambling a greater around. problem rather than a solution because they, they refuse to talk to God, uh, to, to go to God. And of course, that's what Hosea is going to speak yeah, to as that's he right. goes through this. Even through this book, he's saying, even now, turn back, turn back yeah. to God, turn back to God. Uh, as the prophets did, even even uh, Jeremiah, the prophet, right up to the destruction of the southern kingdom, uh, 
sometime later. Uh, you know, these prophets, they yes, they prophesied doom, but all along the way, even now, turn back, turn back. You know, it's never too late. It's never too late. Mm. The interesting thing about Hosea, though, uh, Stu, and about this book is the way yeah. that this happens. Yeah. Uh, poor old Hosea. Yeah, I, you, right. you would not, I, as, uh, you know, as I read this, I thought you would, and, you know, th- and this is uh, the impression I got reading again through the book of Jeremiah when mm. when we uh, redid the edition of Thrive on Jeremiah, which is coming up yeah. uh, at some point. As I worked through Jeremiah, I thought you would not have wanted to have been a prophet. Like who, you know, yeah. this. No wonder Jonah ran in the opposite direction. direction. <laughs> like you know, yeah. uh, you oh, know. Boy. I mean, yeah. It, it's it's not a role. Mm. Uh, it wasn't a role to cover this role of uh, you know being a prophet because of course, in Hosea's case, God says to Hosea, "Go and marry." Um, well. Uh, Probably, probably a temple prostitute, but we don't know for sure. Yeah, we but don't, certainly a that's promiscuous right. woman. That's right. We, and, and in the NIV translation, says, go marry a, pres- a promiscuous woman, have mm. children with her, for like an adulterous wife, this land is guilty of unfaithfulness to the Lord. Mm. So, so Hosea, this prophet, is going to marry a woman probably who has a reputation yeah. for that. This is, remember, in, in this kind of society, this is going to cause a scandal. Okay, so this is going to get a lot of attention because Hosea, of course, is this godly prophet. And this godly prophet marries this promiscuous, promiscuous woman, probably someone that's well known for that. Uh, and if indeed, if she was a temple prostitute, that's even worse. Mm. Um, now, we're not exactly sure no, not. what the situation was there. It's difficult to sort of guess, really. Um, the point is, is that Hosea has to go through this heartrending mm. experience. Mm. Uh, because he is, he stands for God. He illustrates yes. his he, in in his very life. He's going to embody uh, mm. the message of God mm. um, that he's bringing to Israel. This and this this is a message that uh, Israel is like this this woman who has broken covenant. You mm. know, she's going to break. It could be even be preemptively. Yes, that that you know, God says, "I'm marry this woman, and she is going to you know and." She, yeah. A woman who is going to be unfaithful to you. Yes. Because this is, you know, Hosea is going to experience on display for everyone is going to mm. experience the pain of what God has mm. experienced. Which is going to bring great weight Israel. to his message as he brings it to the people because, yeah. as you say, he's it's going to get feeling, attention. Yeah. And he's feeling the pain, you know, yeah. in a sense that God yeah. is feeling about his people who are yeah. betraying him as well. Yeah, you know? that's right. Uh, the. Sort of metaphor of adultery is very common in the in, in the works of the prophets. That's right. how yeah. um, that's how unfaithfulness to God is is depicted. Because of course, um, the the covenant God's covenant with Israel probably the most common way of illustrating that covenant is marriage. being like a marriage. Mm. Uh, you know, a marriage yeah. covenant. Yeah. Um, it's why even actually often you know when we illustrate. Uh, you know what baptism is. Sometimes we use it. Well, it's like your baptism is like your wedding day. You yes. know, it's yeah. it's not that you're not a Christian. Not you know, it's not the relationship's not there. It's just that yeah. you formalize it at, at baptism, and so mm. you know, baptism is like that covenant ceremony that you know. And we talk about uh, the church being the bride. Of Christ. Yeah, that's right. So yeah. in in lots of different ways, you know that that's carried through. So um, you know, so this this idea of covenant unfaithfulness is often depicted in in terms of. Uh, uh, you know, kind of spiritual uh, adultery. 
I'll say something about the context too, because the big issue here actually mainly is is Baal worship is the yeah. big issue here. There is the issue of uh, the fact that Israel uh, seemed to go everywhere else but to God for help. Yeah. <laughs> this is yeah. one of the one of the key problems as well. They would go and they would make alliances with other nations and um, with you know with the nations around them, uh, yeah. you know, which in in, in in those cases of the nations in the immediate vicinity, they were told not to do. Mm. Um, and and Baal, Baal worship was, you know, largely a fertility kind of yeah. God so, worship. so uh, Baal, uh, mm. the, Baal was the god of the of the rains and the storms mm. and essentially fertility. Yep. Um, and so, and and actually the, was connected with cultic prostitution. Yes. So it, it was it was a kind of a sex cult, really, mm, mm. because it had to do with fertility. Yes. And, and these cults that had to do with fertility that would often uh, involve cult prostitution. So, you know, uh, the, the the head of the family, you know, was supposed to go up to the temple and, and engage in, you know, with the cult prostitute and, um, and, and pay for that. And so that would then sort of invoke uh, Baal to... Essentially, mirror the same thing and and, in, and in enable the and, yeah, fertility yeah. of the crops and exactly. the animals and so yeah, forth. Yeah. So, without getting into the gory details, no. that was that yeah. was kind of how it worked. So, this is a very appropriate this idea of uh, of marriage and the issue with Gomer and Gomer's. Um, mm. uh, and just just for listeners, um, the Baal worship. Remember again, this was when the kingdoms had built or Israel had built a t- a temple, a Baal temple in Bethany. Yeah, and in uh, sorry in Bethel yeah. and in um, where is Bethel and Dan? Dan, yeah, correct. Yeah. And so this, remember, we talked about this in the Book of Kings, yeah. where they were going to these places, and this is in the midst of all yeah, of this right. happening and this this bar worship yeah. happening. So, so when when Jeroboam the first set mm. up the calves at Bethel and Dan, yeah. that that was at the north and the south. He did so to stop people going to the Judah. Israelites going down to Jerusalem. Jerusalem. Mm. Um, at that stage. You know, we set up calves. Now, calves were associated with Baal, directly associated with Baal worship. But, but it's not that Baal is the calf, but Baal was thought of as sort of riding on the backs uh, of, of calves. Right. But, but the uh, the calves were seen as um, for, you know symbols of Baal's fertility. When Jeroboam the first set up those, that was meant to be a symbol of Yahweh. Let's just use the calf, and we'll make it a symbol. It's like yep. yeah. <laughs> good, good on you, Jeroboam. Like, like the we know, yeah, at the bottom of Mount Sinai, isn't it? Really, because, <clears throat> and again, you know, and I think in our context, we think, oh, it's so difficult to connect with this, yes, right? What, yeah. Like, why didn't they just stay faithful to God? Mm. She didn't. Surely they knew that God is much more powerful than the Baals. What, what, what is this? What is this attraction to, to Baal worship? It's not. It's not even the fact that. You know, that the cults, you know, the cult itself involved the sexuality and there was sort of this alluring sort of cult associated with it. That may have been part of it. But the biggest reason is for for a sense of security. If you're living in the ancient world, then you are, you're sort of ingrained with this sense that your well-being is dependent on the local God who is going to make the land fertile. Because right. you are dependent for your life, right, yes. on the yeah. on the crops and on the fertility of your herds, mm. right, mm. and so there's this this strong sense, you know. There's this. Well, yes, there's God, and but let's hedge our you bets. Know, yeah, let's hedge our yeah, bets. There's God, and, yeah. but but there's the local God, yeah, Baal. Right. You yeah. really got to keep him happy, right? Yeah. 
Uh, and so, and, and this, for them, this is real, right? That mm, they, mm. you know, and, and in some sense, you know, I think even now we would say, while, while we would certainly say Baal is not a, not a God in the sense of God, mm. you know, we, we could perhaps recognize some kind of, uh, sort of demonic spiritual entity behind all of that cult in some mm. sense, you know what mm. I mean? And so there's a real fear factor here with yeah. this, you know, yeah. as well. And, and they, and there would have been a sense of that, you know, and, mm. um, and so this is why, this is why they would, they would want to tick that box as well. Yeah. Just keep, yes, yes, God. And, and, and all the evidence you know, suggests that they were still quite religious in, mm. in terms yes. of, you know, giving at least lip service to Yahweh, mm. uh, to the you know God of Israel, mm. but a lot of the energy and a lot of the sort of sacrifice went towards keeping keeping yeah. the bales and uh, lest, happy. Yeah, and and lest we think, oh well, that's them and that's history. You know, I think today we have different equivalents to Baal mm-hmm. and, and where we where we don't depend on God, like yeah. you know, money particularly is a huge yeah. driver where. Are we really going to trust God, or we're we going to kind of pray, but at the same time we're going to put all this stuff in place to make sure? Yeah, you know. Uh, so I think it's, it's you're absolutely right. It's easy for us to look back and not relate to that and think, no, oh, that's just history. But in fact, in many ways, there are other gods that yeah. we have in the modern Western culture that yeah. that take the place of God. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah that's so right. It's important to remember that in in that in that particular area too. Like it's such a vulnerable that, that little stretch of land, mm. uh, you know, along. You know, sort of west of the Jordan, uh, and, and certainly east of the Jordan as well, is very vulnerable bit of land. If, the, if, if you know, if the rains don't, it really depends on the rains. Yeah. You know, you've got one water source, uh, which is the, the the lake up there. There's yep. you know the Sea of Galilee, and then mm. you've got the Jordan run. I mean, you've got the Jordan down uh, down the middle, mm. and and that's really your water source. And and if you know, if you've got drought, if there's no, if there are no rains, mm. um, it's also very hilly territory as well. So, so the sort of kind of irrigation from the that, that the Egyptians did from the night isn't really possible. There, you yeah. actually really need rain. You really need rain. You yeah. need you need the seasonal rains, and if they don't come, you're actually going to you'll starve to death. I mean, yeah. this is the, these are the sorts of issues here. So this is why, you know, they they're just uh, constantly falling into this Baal worship. Mm. However, you know, God had said to them in the, you know, in their covenant through Moses, I will provide you, I will provide for, I will ensure that you have what you need. I will ensure uh, that, you know, that you'll have your seasonal rains and, you know, fertility for your crop, for for your herds and flocks and so forth. So, so this really is a choice. um, And and I know it could be easy for us to say, oh, they're so stupid. Why do they keep... But the pressure, I mean, this is life and death. I, you know, I don't think even we really face in, in perhaps whatever our equivalents will be. Even then for us, we still have safety nets. Yes. Like you true. can completely bottom out mm-hmm. financially mm-hmm. in our in our culture and there are still safety nets yes. for you yep. in that culture. There was nothing. If you bottom out, you and your family died. died. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, you know, so... So this is where this fear factor is. We've got to keep the bales, uh, you know, it's a very polarizing sort of situation. Yeah. Um, and so, it, it, you know, it, it, in a sense, it was a matter of who you had faith in, though. You know, it's what am I going to have faith in? Exactly right. You know, am I going to, I mean, even in our context, am I going to have faith in financial markets? Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, but that's where I was kind of saying it's a bit like having a dollar each way. You know, it's yeah. like, well, I, I really do want to be able to trust God, but just in case I'm going to also 
have this in place. And to some degree, as you say, this is where they were kind of lip service to Yahweh, but at the same time going, but let's just do this in case, you know, yeah. uh, in terms of the bales and, yeah. and that kind of and, stuff. And it's so. not like... You know, it's not like they were they were looking for manna from heaven, like, no, like to, just, no. just to get the equivalent right. You yes. know, uh, and neither should we. We're not just look, looking for money to fall. You know, you no. got to work, and you've got to be Correct. wise, and you're going to yep. invest wisely, mm. and uh, mm. you know, all of that sort of stuff is completely legitimate. Mm. Uh, you know, we're not looking for manna to fall no. out. Neither were they, right? No. There's, yeah. you know, they've still got to, you know, sow their crops and and you Keep know and, and, and you know and and and, and harvest and all, all of that stuff. sort of stuff, right? Yeah, so yeah. so they've got to do that, but. Uh, it's this sense of where does your ultimate sense of assurance and security come from, mm. and um, uh, and and this is the big issue here. And so essentially, we're saying, yeah. or, or Hosea is saying, that idolatry really is the equivalent of adultery in the context yeah, right. of the story yeah. of him and, and yeah. Goma, and yeah. uh, and and this is the the picture he's painting actually in his life it's like yeah. he's actually living this out he's not just giving an illustration yeah this is his life yeah that's uh, right yeah so he goes through this this he goes through this painful experience he marries this woman um uh, she has three kids um uh and then there's this terrible situation where she you know where she's unfaithful to him and mm-hmm. um and uh and hosea is then commanded to receive her back in yes. chapter three, yeah. uh, the Lord said to me, go show your love to your wife again, uh, though she is loved by another man and is an adulteress. Mm. Love her as the Lord loves the Israelites, mm. though they turn to other gods and love the, uh, and so forth. Yep. So I, I think it's worth pausing it because this is actually amazing, really. You know, it's like, yes, the Israelites are in this, in this terrible situation, but God is saying, I still love them. Yeah. I still yeah. love them, you know. Yeah. Uh, you know Ephesians, you know, to while we were yet sinners, sinners. Christ yeah. died for us. Yeah. So he has to buy. Interestingly, he has to buy her back. Um, now the reason for this may be because, uh, having left his household, she may well have fallen into uh, some kind of slavery. Yes. May, maybe uh, the, the cult prostitutes that was connected with slavery as well, they were probably slaves, essentially. Yes. yes. Sla- slaves to that mm. system. And, uh, and so it may be that, that she goes back to cult prostitution, if that's the case, mm. and that he has to actually buy her back. He mm. has to actually pay for her to come back. Yeah. So, um, which is, which is a striking illustration when you think that actually for, Forgiveness to happen and reconciliation to happen, there has to be a price. There's a buying back that needs to happen, of course. You know, that's what God did in Christ. So this is anticipating this. A lot of this book is anticipating what's going to happen beyond the disaster because this is prophetic of what God is going to do. Yeah. So important again to note that Hosea, at this point, he could have entered, ended his covenant marriage yeah. to, to Goma. Well, uh, she'd broken; she certainly broken so the he, covenant. He yeah. could have, he could have ended. Uh, yeah, that's that. right. So he had two options: either do that or to try to restore it. And he was commanded by God to restore it. Yeah. And again, yeah, there's right. a picture of God where he could have chosen, yeah. know, to end the covenant with the that's people, right. but he chooses but not saying, to. That's right. Yeah. Now, th- this, of course, is pointing beyond here because there are lots of m- messages of hope uh, throughout yes, this, uh, throughout these prophecies, but they are looking beyond what's going to happen. In mm. uh, in 722 mm. BC, 
Uh, so seven twenty two is the date when the Assyrians. Uh, the Assyrians come in and completely destroy the northern kingdom and carry the people off into exile. Mm. They leave some people there, mm. uh, some survivors, uh, but and they resettle Assyrians there. So this is actually uh, that event, that disastrous event that takes place within sort of you know about thirty years from this point. Um, th- that. That's pretty much it for this generation. That's going to be their their experience. So it's not that God is promising actually to turn things around for this generation no. as such. It's going to happen. And this is this is the multi. This is sort of this multi generational view. Uh, in fact, these prophecies essentially, you know, because it's like, well, when when does Israel, the Northern Kingdom, when do they get gathered back? Mm. You know, like mm. when, when, you know, when is that? When did that happen? Because mm. we know with the southern kingdom, they came back from exile yes. in, uh, in in 537 BC. Uh, you know, Cyrus, the, the Persian king, after they conquer the Babylonians, right. you know, releases the Jews to go back to Jerusalem. Nothing of the kind happens with Israel, to, to, with Israel the northern kingdom. They scattered, mm. and 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 uh, presumably, what because one of the reasons for this this practice of exiling people is so that they just assimilate, assimilate into, the- into the, you know, and, and, uh, and basically more or less, that's what happened. They, yeah, they did yeah. it. They assimilated into, uh, into Assyria and, and just sort of disappeared essentially. Mm-hmm. And a Judah of course is now the Jew, as we know them as the Jews. They become the, the Jews. Yeah, so that's going to be what's left uh, in the, the South. Now Hosea is speaking primarily to, to the, the Northern North. kingdom mm. who are about within, you know, in 30 years are going to be completely destroyed. Now he's saying to them, I'm going to bring you back. I'm going to mm. forgive you. I'm going to, uh, you know, mm. uh, I'm going to, all of these things that happened to Hosea, I'm going to, I'm going to purchase you back. Mm. Right. Mm. But of course he's not, he's not talking about them. This is the, it, in our individualistic way of thinking, it's yes. all about what's in it for me personally. Yeah. But God is thinking multi-generationally. He's thinking about his people, people. in a multi-generational mm. hundreds, thousands of years, mm. right? God is thinking big picture when he's talking about my people. Mm. So Goma here, the, the, the woman that Hosea marries, she stands for God's people multi-generationally across potentially thousands of years. Yeah. So the question is when, when does he purchase her? When does you know? When does this purchasing back and this regathering in happen? Well, of course, it happens through in, in the, the acts of Jesus, Jesus Christ, Christ. Yeah. and then the ingathering of the nations mm. uh, after that time. That's really the ultimate fulfillment of that. It's because it, because in a sense, there's and and Revelation brings this out because Revelation lists you know the all you know the tribes uh, mm. you know the tribes of Israel yeah. and, and and so and, forth and even the pointing forward of that and we'll probably get to this later. I'm just trying to quickly find my notes here where where it's you know. Um, Two days, and then I will restore you on the third day. And yeah. it's just, you know, all this pointing yeah. forward to, to Christ, which is later yeah. in the book. Just before we move on from Gomer and, and Hosea and his family, yeah. and I guess we're going to move into the sort of indictments that he brings yeah. against the nation of Israel. Interesting, the names that he was commanded to give the children. Yeah. You know, these are really strange names by anyone's standards. Obviously, they're translated yeah. into English here, but. Yep. Um, yeah, don't Jez- get any ideas if you're having kids. Yeah, maybe, that's right. maybe, maybe not these names. So the first son, Jezreel. Uh, we might remember that Jehu had carried out God's kind of judgment against the last of the Omri yeah, yeah. Uh, dynasty, and that yeah. took place at Jezreel. Yeah. Uh, but he probably overstepped the mark. And yeah. so here, Hosea's first child was a message to Israel that Jehu's dynasty yeah. was also yeah. not going to be yeah. uh, escaping judgment for yeah. that. 
The daughter, who was the second child, was named Not Loved, or, uh, well, let's just go with that. There's yeah. a few different ways. And, yeah. and again, this signifies that due to Israel's continual unfaithfulness, they'd forfeited God's love yeah, at this point right. in time. Yeah. Uh, and then Not My People. Uh, again, Israel had utterly broken their covenant with the Lord, and so yeah. he was essentially. This is the option he had. Yeah. Well, you're no longer my people, you yeah. know. Which yeah. obviously he doesn't do because, as you say, there's a message of hope that comes. But the way yeah. these kids are named um, is is as well a bit of a prophetic message too. Yeah, that's right. And it's people. pointing to the broken covenant when it's Correct. not loved. It's in the formal sense. Yes. It's like you have broken the covenant. Yeah. So so it's. There's this gulf now, yes, and that's got to be actually restored. restored. Now that the way that you know the way that the status was at that point is that they, you know, mm. it was there was complete mm. alienation, and and as we see in the same way as Hosea had to reverse that with Goma, yeah. uh, so, so God, God is going to uh, reverse that mm. uh, with Israel. Um, yeah, so um, so the next big chunk, chapters four, you know, pretty much right to eleven, yeah, is. You know, and 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 I think a key to reading uh, oracles like this, because you know they can sometimes you can read oh, this is a bit tiresome, and what you've got to try to get from these is a sense of the heart of God, the heart of God. They're actually really unique. Mm-hmm. There's nothing really else like them amongst uh, you know amongst ancient Near Eastern literature, literature because mm-hmm. this is a very personal relationship with a very personal God who really grieves over his people. And so you really see here the heart of God um, mourning over over his people. Mm -hmm. One of the key issues is that this lack of knowledge, this real lack of knowledge of God, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, they're not even giving them the chance, giving themselves uh, the chance to know God. Another issue is hypocrisy. You know, they're, 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 they're yeah. giving lip service to God, yeah. but going off and worship the. But that's even almost even worse. Yeah. You know, it, it'd be better if it was just clear. Mm. Um, there's also the the issue of that they're trusting in political alliances with other nations. You know, which in this time of instability, um, you know, plus uh, they weren't showing any yeah. love or compassion to the less fortunate or kindness yeah. to others, as we we talked about in Amos. Yeah. Last time we yeah, spoke, right. and I think important just on the knowledge because it's you read that you you do not know you know no knowledge of God. This is not intellectual knowledge. This is no, no as in relationship. Yeah. No, yeah, that's right. You know, where you know um, uh, I do not know you or have yeah. not known you, kind of thing. Uh, yeah. it's that no, it's that relational relationship. Yeah, right. No, not yeah. just knowing about God, but knowing God personally. So yeah, yeah. and then chapter eleven, you have a real prodigal th- son, yeah. a oh, real prodigal absolutely. son theme in chapter eleven. Yeah. Um, where you know God is depicted as the loving Father. You know, I, I taught you. I taught you to walk. I, I loved you. Are you my son? But you know, you rebelled against me. You have this sense of Israel as this, as this son that's just been loved and taught and equipped, and you know, and 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 then leaves home. You yeah. know, just says, I, yeah. I, I, "I'm out of here," and and. You know, you have this expression of God's grief, you know, mm. where ultimately he says, how can I give you up? Mm. I can't give you up, mm. you know. Um, and and he keeps, by the way, uh, this is important because this might be confusing to some people. Israel is mostly referred to n- not only as Israel, but the other yep. key term used is Ephraim uh, or Ephraim yeah. uh, in, in Hebrew. Mm. Uh, and that... Uh, the 
the Northern Kingdom is often referred to as uh, Ephraim, Ephraim, because that's the biggest of the Northern tribes. Yeah. It's often also referred to as Jacob. Yes. Uh, so this is the confusing thing. Here. And he, and in the, you know we've jumped to chapter eleven. I'm sure yep. we're going back a yep. little bit, but yep. he even references sort of the story of Jacob in terms of the restoration. Yeah. Um, where uh, you know Jacob had been faithless, self-centered conniver. He he met yeah. God at Bethel and yeah. was converted, and he became a recipient yeah, of grace. Right. You know, that's so, right. That's in chapter uh, yeah, twelve. I think. Yeah, chapter 12, twelve. Yeah. Let's just go back because we're jumping ahead a bit here. So yeah. Um, so after the indictment about you know no faithfulness, no truth or integrity, no love, yeah. compassion, kindness, no knowledge of God, he then gives the threefold kind of warning. Yeah. Um, you know, essentially blow them away like a whirlwind, eat away at them like a moth or rot, yeah. and tear them to pieces like yeah. a lion. Basically, yeah. this is this is the warning that Hosea's um, uh, that's uh, uh, Hosea's giving here, and he even then refers to the major centre at Bethel, which again is where the the, the, the temple was or the altar was. Uh, he he uses the term Beth Avon, which actually means house of wickedness. So he's kind of like pointing to all these things that are actually drawing yeah. them away from yeah. the true Yahweh, the true yeah. the true God of Israel. Yeah. So it's interesting on on the on that topic of, you know, Jacob and, yep. and, and so forth. It's interesting the way that the prophets they they often when they're talking this is again the multi generational thing, which I which uh is such an important perspective uh mm. that they will often say you did this back when you did this. it's like what when when did we do I, I can't remember. Yeah. You know, you know, they'll talk about back when you were in the desert, you know, with Moses, like this is mm. hundreds of years before. Mm, mm. Uh and yet it's it's them, you know, yeah. it's there's a sense of this corporate uh, responsibility. Which is why, you know, in, in, in one sense, you know, there's this connection with with the sins of their their fathers. Right. Mm. Um not culpability as such, but but they are but this this pattern that they are in a sense, continuing with, yeah. Um, but you know, th- there's still this sense that it's the one people, you know, mm. and and that, but and that's also uh, goes into the future as well. You know, you did this, but I'm going to forgive you, and and I'm going to do this for you in the future. And yeah. and actually, if you're someone living at that point, you're well, waiting for it to happen. Yeah, and it hasn't it's, yet. It's, <laughs> you know, you're yeah. not really going to sit, not in your lifetime. No. But yeah. and, and yet, there's a genuine sense. Um, that this is good news because this people, you know, your your descendants are gonna, you know, are gonna be gathered in yeah. in in some in some sense, you know, yeah. uh, and 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 restored back to God. So so the, the history lessons are, are interesting. You know, it refers to Jacob's lying. The fact that you know Jacob, you know, there was restoration, you know, yes, there and exactly uh, through his. You know, his laying hold of God. Mm. Um, it refers to Israel's rebellion in the desert. Even refers to Israel's choice of a king in King Saul. Yes. Uh, you know, like, yeah. uh, and this isn't just digging stuff up from the. St- this is because there's a a pattern. Yeah, there's a pattern here because the choice of the king Saul is no. We want we want the kind of security that the other nations have. Mm. Mm. Uh, and this is what's going. Oh, what's well, like? What's that old thing again? Yeah, you know. And we're going to do it our way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Rely on you. Yeah. And so, but throughout this, you know, scattered through throughout this again, and just to really underscore this, you've just got these uh, oracles of hope. You know, I will heal their waywardness. Uh, chapter fourteen. Mm. Love that. You know, I, I mean, um, there's. Uh, 
these constant reminders that God wants them to come back and yeah. and and be restored. Um, interesting verses, Stu, and I'm just trying to find them here uh, about the oh death, where is your sting? I don't know if you uh, if you pick this up. In Hosea uh, chapter thirteen and verse fourteen, Stu, this this just and and this is a detail, but it's an interesting one because yes. this is quoted from in First uh, Corinthians fifteen, where Paul is talking about the resurrection, mm-hmm. and the, the, the verses that he quotes are, "Where O death are your plagues? Where O grave is your destruction?" Right. Yeah. Now, in the original context, there's a, there's a couple of transition translation issues because in in Hebrew. Um, th- whether something is a question or not can sometimes be. Uh, so should uh, uh, I? Yeah, yeah. You know. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so the verses, verse, the, the beginning, verses before that, uh, start of verse fourteen. It yeah. says, "I will, I will deliver this people from the power of the grave. Mm. I will redeem them from death." Mm. And then it goes on, "Where O death, your plagues; where O grave, is your mm. destruction." However, in in the context, it suggests actually that's that that's, those are questions. Should I? The, the whole thing is yeah. is a question. Yeah. So, uh, you know, uh, you know, should I deliver this people from the power of the grave? You know, should I redeem them from death? Mm. Uh, and then the where o death your plagues and where o, it's like, come on, bring it on. Where are you? Let's let's right. you know right. uh, th- that because in in context, because it goes on to say, I will have no compassion, even though he's right. Yeah, it yeah. goes on seamlessly. So before. In verse 13, it says, Pains as of a woman in childbirth come to him, but he he is a child without wisdom. When the time arrives, he doesn't have the sense to come out of the mm. womb. Uh, I, you know, sh- And then, in a sense, it makes most sense to trans- translate, should I deliver this people from the power of the grave? Uh, or, or will I deliver this people from the power of the grave? Will I redeem them from death? Uh, so there's an ambiguity yeah. here, which... If that's the case, and and um, then you know it's it's really interesting then what Paul does with that, uh, in the way that he actually deliberately then turns that around, uh, and and makes it that rhetorical question: where oh where oh death, death your place? Yeah. Where oh you know where is your destruction? Mm. Uh, because uh, because Jesus has held that off. Jesus is is in a sense um, held off the the power of death, yeah. uh, as it were. Yeah. Um, Wow. So, you know, it's an interesting, just a little, uh, yeah, little yeah. footnote there. But however, it, it, you know, I mean, it is ambiguous and mm. certainly the NIV translates it in mm. the positive rather than the negative. Mm. Um, but I, I just noticed most of the commentary material was leaning towards yeah. this, interpreting a this uh, in the negative. Yeah, yeah. Um, but certainly the big picture here is that God is... Uh, is promising hope beyond this disaster. In chapter 14, we see, yeah. you know, there's the promise of restoration, which, um, yeah. you know, uh, yeah. Hosea brings. Yeah, r- r- you know, r- right, right to the, the end. end. And I think, uh, you know, this this is always the, this so consistently. And when you're reading these books, the one of the best questions to ask is, what does this sh- what does this say about God? What does this book show me about God? Uh, reading 
the works of the prophets, the best one of the best things that that I've got is a sense of the heart of God in all of this. You know, that one of the big issues here is that they didn't really know God, not in that deep relational sense. Well, these books are written that you would know God, that you would know the heart of God, that you would know that even no matter how entrenched you are, no matter how lost you feel, no matter how much of a failure you feel, God does not give up. You know, how, mm. you know, as he says, you know, um, how can I give you up, Ephraim? He says, how can I give you? It's, you know, uh, think of the prodigal son references, you know. Um, and and connect that with what yeah. Jesus says to His generation that Absolutely. even now God is is willing to, you know, to receive you back and 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 you know read this and get a real sense of how much God yearns for us, yeah. how much God's heart is for restoration. It's always for restoration. God's heart is for restoration, and and how inexhaustible is the grace of God. Thanks for listening to this episode of Thrive Deeper. Our home on the internet is thrivetoday.tv. You can contact us, ask questions, see all our resources and much more at our website, thrivetoday.tv. We really appreciate the questions and thoughts about what you're reading as we go through the Bible with Thrive. Until next time, our prayer is that these shows will inspire you to go deeper and thrive. 